All right, hey, what's up, FME Nation? This is Bill Brower, and in this episode, I got to talk with Dr. Michael Bizarro, Iris Perlstein, and Lindsay Kleiner from Penn Medicine Princeton Behavioral Health. And we talked about the new program that's going to be launching in May called Too Strong for Too Long, which is a virtual support program they're going to be holding for the members of the NJFMEA, along with the family members of our members. And it's important for us to understand that we're all going through a lot of mental health challenges, especially more so now than ever with COVID-19 upon us. Um, So have a listen to the episode. You'll get some really good information out of these professionals, and they'll give you some more information to come about the Too Strong for Too Long program. Thanks for listening to FMBA Nation, and be safe. Hey guys, Bill Brower here with FMBA Nation. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about ServPro of Central Union County in Western Essex County. These guys are a trusted leader in the restoration industry. They provide 24-hour residential commercial services with highly trained restoration technicians. They're a locally owned and operated business, and they're dedicated to being faster to any size disaster with the training, equipment, and expertise to handle your restoration and cleaning needs. Some of the things that they cover are water damage restoration, fire damage restoration, mold remediation, storm damage restoration, cleaning services, and building services, to name a few. These guys understand the stress and worry that comes with a fire or water damage and the disruption it causes to your life and home or business, and their goal is to help minimize the interruption to your life and quickly make it like it never even happened. Our friends over there, Carl Spinner and Bob Morrison. Carl has over 25 years of experience in the industry. Bob Morrison has over 35 years of service industry sales experience. So don't hesitate to give them a call. You can reach them at 908-233-7070. All right, hey everyone, Bill Brower with FMBA Nation, and we are coming to you from Penn Medicine, Princeton Behavioral Health. I've got the honor and privilege to be joined by several key individuals here for the FMBA and for Princeton Behavioral Health. That would be Dr. Michael Bizarro. I'm also being joined by Iris Perlstein and Lindsay Kleiner. Uh, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk about a uh, topic that, Doc, you and I have had many discussions on. And um, why don't you lead us into that? Tell us what we're talking about today. Give us a little background about this program you guys have in store for the members of the FMBA. Okay, so let me kind of give you a little bit of a history. Um, I guess about two months ago, I had a conversation with the uh, chief up at Patterson uh, Fire. And in that conversation, it became pretty apparent that his men and their family members were really facing some very challenging times during COVID. And we had multiple conversations afterwards, and we were going to come up with a plan to introduce a virtual support group for the membership. So as we were drafting that set of plans, in my conversation with President Donnelly, um, who had mentioned to me, what about rolling that out to the entire membership, Um, which I thought was a really good idea. So what we've done is we we are on the precipice of rolling out a six-week virtual support group for firefighters. Um, Initially, it'll be for firefighters. And then at the end of that six-week cycle, we're going to introduce another six-week cycle for the family members. Now, 
that virtual group is open. It's an open group, topic topic driven, um, which will be led by um, Iris, who's our trauma specialist and coordinator for the first responder uh, program, and. Lindsay, who's our senior social worker, will be co-facilitating that group as well. I'm not sure what level of involvement I'll have. I think initially I'll be there, but I'll be available, of course. So that's pretty much the blueprint of what we're trying to accomplish. The great thing about the virtual support group is it gives the firefighters the opportunity from a remote location, confidentially, to, to access the support group. Um, and there'll be, a, it's obviously a confidential support group and, uh, it'll afford them an opportunity to share or ask questions on any of the concerns that they may have. So that's pretty much how this has evolved over the last couple of months. And so that's where we are today. This type of program for first responders, you know, we've, we've talked about in the past that mental health challenges of this job seems to be on the forefront of the major issues. You know, we've got cancer in the fire service is, is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. um, we've got obviously the, the line of duty deaths and things like that, but really one of the, one of the battles that not too many people uh, see is this, um, this notion of mental health struggles. Um, how does a program like this benefit our first responder community? Well, first, um, can I say um, I'm very grateful for this opportunity for uh, the ability to talk to people about this subject, which has been dear to my heart for so long, even before this uh, terrible crisis of the pandemic, to see what our, our first responders were dealing with, you know, the, the pain and the suffering that they would see every day. And during this pandemic, no one has escaped the impact of this uh, seismic event. And so we're seeing people who are struggling to uh, remain on the job, to, to kind of be invincible, mm -hmm. even though they're suffering so much with an increased spike in addictions, depression, suicide, and family uh, conflicts as a result. So this program, um, sort of Dr. Bizarro's, I said, your brainchild or your, your baby, to go out there and to really help more people than we've ever been able to help before by people hearing us on podcast by people joining our group mm -hmm. um, there's no shame in in needing help actually it's very courageous to to ask for help and to deal with the problem so uh, that's what this program is really about to get people to feel comfortable to have confidentiality to have support not only from myself Lindsay and dr. Bizarro but from other members that will be in the group Give, uh, give us a little bit of a background about your uh, your professional career, where you've been, uh, how you kind of became focused on this, and uh, what you've seen in, in your uh, in your journey. Well, I've been working a, a long time uh, in mental health and addiction, and I actually uh, was an EMT for nine years. So I have um, a close uh, connection to first responders, and I, I kind of know, I kind of think I know how they're wired because I know how I'm wired that, you know, oftentimes don't ask for help, don't let people know that I'm hurting and go running towards something rather than away from something of, of uh, danger. I've worked as a, an addiction counselor, um, co-occurring disorders, and I've been in the field um, 
for many years working in the hospitals and in private practice. And when an opportunity came up to work with first responders, I jumped on that and uh, work now primarily with first responders. And for those that, uh, that might be listening that read our FMBA bulletin, Iris is one of our contributors as well um, for the Penn Medicine Princeton uh, Behavioral Health column. So we appreciate all the uh, wisdom and, and words and support you give us in the uh, bulletin as well. Well, I appreciate being able to do that and uh, to talk about various different subjects that maybe people don't never necessarily talk about, you know, including uh, issues of sexual addiction, drug addiction, um, thoughts of suicide. You know, people are not discussing that. They're going to work. They're trying to deal with what they have to deal with, and people are hurting. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself. How have you gotten involved in this program, and uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the actual program and what it means for first responders? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I would like to say, too, I'm very grateful to be here. Um, but, yeah, so it's similar, similar to Iris as well, too. Um, I, you know, work with first responders in the hospital setting primarily, and, you know, it, when an opportunity came um, to work with Dr. Mazzaro and his team, um, I also jumped on it, too, just to primarily work only with first responders um, in the hospital now. Uh, so that's kind of how I got here. And um, so often what I do see is there's very limited time um, for our first responders to have time to process kind of, you know, some of the traumatic things they're seeing on a daily basis. Um, and a lot of times you just go home after, after work and there's nothing in between, nothing to just talk about or vent about. Um, so I felt, you know, doing this, this uh, you know, virtual support group would be a great way, just people in the comfort of their home, um, to talk about what's, with what's going on and if they're struggling with anything and to get some support around that. So, yeah. 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 Do you think this concept of the virtual support group versus the in-person support group, obviously we've got to take in consideration the pandemic and COVID-19 and, and all those safety precautions. Do you think that the response to a virtual session versus in-person group setting um, will be better received or um, do you see the in-person uh, from a um, clin clinical standpoint um, a, a more well attended? You know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think I've got an idea of what it's gonna yeah. what it's gonna be, and, and I'm I'm excited for it. So I want to hear what your take is on it. My preference as a as a mental health professional obviously is in person. Mm -hmm. However, I think what the pandemic has afforded mental health services is it's created another. Um, a hybrid stream where people mm -hmm. not, not only can be physically present but can virtually access you from literally anywhere. So I think what that does is elimin it eliminates so many of the barriers that might have been in place mm -hmm. before coming into treatment. I also think that what I've seen is that the pandemic, the anxiety, um, the depression, the excessive worry has given people permission to access mental health services. And they're actually using that anxiety and worry and depression as a vehicle to then talk about the underlying trauma that mm -hmm. they might not have been so willing to discuss initially. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's a tremendous opportunity um, for, for mental health professionals and for the membership. Right. No, I totally agree with Dr. Pizarro. I've always done group therapy over these many years, individual, in-person therapy. And I was very upset when I felt I had to start doing virtual work. But I've found that 
it's different for sure. And I'd rather be in person with, with the client, but it works. People are able to talk to you um, because that's the only way they can access the services. And I've always believed that emotional pain cannot kill you, but running away from it can. Mm -hmm. So giving them an opportunity to work even virtually is really, really important. And as a therapist, I see people coming to these sessions with so much PTSD and symptoms of PTSD, and I think they're going crazy because they're having all those um, symptoms, as he said, these after effects that um, are impacting everything in their life. So yeah, it's not the same as in person, mm -hmm. but it's certainly something that it's amazing that we have all this technology, you know, that that we can get this to happen for people who wouldn't get services otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing that literally you can access a mental health professional from literally anywhere. You could pull your car into a parking lot mm -hmm. and have a session on your phone. You can walk outside your house and sit in your backyard and decide that you could have a private session with, right. a, with a professional. Mm -hmm. So I think it's given, it's given the membership and us an opportunity to provide a service on a much broader spectrum. And it'll, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, initially when we were providing on-site services at the FMBA, mm -hmm. and I was there one day a month um, seeing firefighters, I think that this is also affording them an opportunity where that service is going to be back in play at some point where mm -hmm. I will be back on-site. Sure. But it also gives them the ability to access services anywhere, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's with uh, the virtual group, professionally scheduling an appointment whatever it is um so that's kind of exciting for all of us yeah i think you know i think you know we've, we've talked about this in the past and um stigma you know is, is, a, is a huge buzzword when it comes to first responders and mental health and i think you know there's a lot of uh people out there that just carry the stigma with them that you know, maybe I'm crazy. I got to speak to a, a therapist now, or I got to talk to a doctor about my my problems, quote unquote. I don't have any problems. I, you know, nothing's wrong. There's, you know, whatever. Um, and I think this brings a level of comfort to mm -hmm. them because, like you said before, it eliminates some of those barriers. It lowers a little bit of that stigma in that you know you're not laying down on a couch with your head up facing the ceiling you know that that's ultimately you know, right right the thing that goes through people's minds when they think about you know getting help and, and seeking therapy and, and that kind of thing so i think being able to you know sit at the uh at the coffee table or at the kitchen table all right let me ask you a question are you like me and need a cup of coffee in the morning to get your day off to a good start how about an afternoon cup of bean at the station we all know that shift work is brutal to our sleep cycles and that we could use a cup of joe to give us that push through the shift. That's where our friends from Fire Department Coffee come in. Whether you're a firefighter, an EMT, or dispatcher, do yourself a favor and try them out. We have a special offer for our listeners and supporters. Go to firedepartmentcoffee.com, that's F-I-R-E-D-E-P-T, C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use promo code FMBA on your next purchase for 15% off. In addition, for every purchase made using promo code FMBA, Fire Department Coffee will donate 15% of the sale to our Mark Beerag Memorial Cancer Fund. 
These guys are great people and are career firefighters themselves, just trying to make really good coffee to help us get through our next shift. So go buy some today and don't forget to use promo code FMBA. You know, in your underwear if you so please and no one else is around and you know, you know, you got your shirt and tie on, but it's you know. <laughs> about it. Right, right. And uh, you know, and, and being comfortable about that environment that you're in um, can really, like you said, eliminate some of those barriers to entry as far as this support group is concerned and, and things like that. So I think it should be interesting. I think it's going to be received rather well. I hope so, but you know, I believe that oftentimes, even though it'll be, you're right, it's virtual, they're not actually having to step out of their comfort zone and go to your office, they still have an urge um, to hide. I have this um, note to myself to make sure to say this hide as much about their thoughts, memories, nightmares, flashbacks, the anger they might be feeling. Mm -hmm irritability, problems with alcohol, drugs, and uh, other addictive behaviors. Um, they have the wish to keep that facade of invincibility. And I think that if people are listening, they have to realize it takes courage to admit that you have problems like that, that you're hurting. Mm -hmm. uh, not go, you know, the grace of God, any one of us can have symptoms. And, um, you know, I would say when you're, when you're working out in the field, you know to call for help when you need it. If you're at a fire or, you know, you're dealing with a crisis, you know, calling for help is what the training tells you to do rather than, you know, doing it yourself. This is just calling for help. And you work collaboratively in a group. It's not only going to be Lindsay and myself. It's going to be other firefighters that know what you're saying, you know, that make it, normalize it because they're feeling it too. Right. The group, the group setting is definitely huge. The group is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just adding to what Iris is saying and what Lindsay said earlier, you know, talking about the stigma and the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So many of us, and I say us because I think as a human being you can relate to this, so many of us focus so much on what other people um, think about us, what they're going to say about us. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, it really kind of, it, we edit what we really want to talk about. And I think the biggest challenge for anybody coming into this group is to really give themselves permission to allow themselves to talk about what's really of interest to them and not care so much what other people think. You can't control what somebody else thinks about you. We often say the greatest change you could make is going to be between your ears because if you change the way you think about you and a situation, they change. The three of us do group together, we've done group together, and we all, I speak for everyone in here, we all adhere to the theory of the iceberg theory, yeah. that you see, like in an iceberg, you see the tip of the iceberg, but you, you don't see this huge amount of damage and danger that's underneath the water. And we think when you get in a group and you get uh, support to share and to open up and to let people know what's going on, that's when the healing it starts, and that's actually the bravest act of all, to be able to open up about what's underneath. And you, you see, when you're seeing the person share, you see the shoulders come down, and there's like a relief. Oh, somebody's hearing me for, you know, I'm able to say this first time. Sometimes I've had people in group, I mean, these are very strong people. First responders are, you know, are not weak people. They're very strong, and they go in a profession where you have to show strength. 
they show tears. They let the tears out and they feel so ashamed at first, but then they realize that this makes them human. That, you know, they can cry with other people. I mean, there's a lot of trauma and pain that uh, people have gone through this last year with the pandemic has just made it even worse. But even before that, there's been work-related stress, there's been family stress, there's been losses, there's been deaths. Um, people are just holding a lot underneath that surface of the, you know, that iceberg has a lot inside that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, tell me about this program. Give me an outline. Like, what is, what is laid out for this program? Um, what can our members expect and, and what's kind of the schedule? Well, rather than just, if I, I know Lindsay has a whole list of some of the group issues that we're going to cover, but just a, a ballpark look at it is work-related stress, for sure, um, traumatic events, um, alcohol and or substance abuse problems that people may have, mental health and emotional concerns to include depression, anxiety, and trauma, um, relationship problems, um, stress management, conflict at home or work. I mean, the, we haven't broken down to weekly each thing, but basically the the schedule will cover many of those things I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And whatever else anybody in the group wants to bring up or needs to cover, um, we're open to that. You know, I don't think that we we came up with every single topic that people are going to come to us with. Well, and I think one of our, um, you know, one of the main focuses, which I, you know, which I think will circle every topic um, with with our uh, support group is just, you know, how the pandemic has played out. And, you know, obviously, especially with our first responders, um, you know, the, the job didn't stop when, when the mm -hmm. pandemic hit and, mm -hmm. you know, all the stress that it put people under. And I feel that we're finally in a time, you know, where, where there's some relief right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the time where our first responders are going to need our, the help the most because they've been so strong for so long. And, um, you know, now it's time where things are getting better, you know, that, you know, they need time to focus on themselves. Yeah, it's been like pedal to the metal for the past year yeah. Yeah, for a lot of people in this, in this profession. And now we're starting to approach the intersection with the blinking yellow light where you can slow down a little bit. I mean, right. we're still dealing with a lot of stuff out there, but mm -hmm. not as bad as it was. And, you know, like you said, I think it, it kind of gives us time now to take a step back. And we can focus on our, our first responders that, that are going to be dealing with, uh, if they're not already dealing with a lot, that will be dealing with a lot to come after this whole thing is over. Um, I think the other challenge, too, is we have a tendency when we hear the word trauma, mm. that it's this, it's this really bad, it's like a boogeyman kind of a mentality. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, trauma is traumatic, and it, but it's also part of being human. And I think part of what we do is we run away from the trauma instead of embracing the consequence of the trauma and what it may take to resolve the trauma. Because the truth of the matter is the majority of us come out of traumatic events stronger mm -hmm. than before the event. So I think it's also kind of normalizing it. You know, and mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's not, sadly, it's not something that we can avoid. So true. I think I've used the term before, post-traumatic stress, but there's also post-traumatic strength. And post-traumatic growth. Exactly. And nobody gets over it, but with help you get through it. I mean, right. people will say, get over it. Mm -hmm. That's not <laughs> no. helpful no. to anybody, to have somebody say, get over something. Mm -hmm. You get through it, but you don't get over it. Because right. getting over it is avoiding it. Mm -hmm. Getting through it is facing it. Mm -hmm. Facing it, yeah. yeah. You know, nothing goes away. Right. 
We think if we don't talk about something, it's going to be gone, but it will show its head in some other situation, mm -hmm. and it may not be recognizable as the original incident or issue, mm -hmm. but it will present itself. Yeah. You know, we often say it's very easy to talk about the things you want to talk about, but the true healing comes from when you speak about the things you don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I've had a patient talk to me about some of the trauma that they were going through, and they said something to the effect, well, how could I, you know, speak about this or worry about this? Everybody's going through this. And the, the, con the thing she was thinking about is when, you ha when your disaster is everyone's disaster, how are you supposed to grieve? Because people say, well, look, you have a house to live in. There are people that are, you know, lost their home or there are, you know, people who had someone die. Yeah, everybody's grieving in their own way. And pain is pain. And I've had people say sometimes in groups, well, how could I talk, you know, their, their problem is worse than mine. What you feel is what you feel. And mm -hmm. that I think our support group, and I, I think Lindsay agrees with me, is we're not going to tell anybody you don't, you shouldn't feel what you feel mm -hmm. or, you know, or get over it. Because if you could, you would. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the actual support group, the platform. How is this going to be rolled out there? What are we looking at in terms of like a timeline and um, how will people be able to access this support group? And um, it will, will it be an ongoing thing. Like, Give me some of the details okay. about the actual program. So our target date is going to be um, May 11th, mm -hmm. which is a Tuesday. The six-week... Um, Virtual support groups of firefighters will be on six consecutive Tuesday evenings starting May 11th from 6 to 7.30. Okay. Um, there will be a, um, a link provided through the FMBA. Right. Um, under Too Strong for Too Long. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you click on that link, you'll register and you'll have access to the virtual group on that particular night. Do you have to register for each class, or will it be one registration that's good for the entire blanket of the six weeks? Um, so the registration would be for the six weeks. Okay. Um, I, I believe there may be something where we could, um, you know, if you can't make one group or something like that, too, we can have that, you know, be discussed and stuff in the beginning. Um, but, yeah, it would be for all six weeks um, start, starting May 11th, and that would be from 6 to 7.30 in the evening. Gotcha. And how are you guys going to be holding it? Is it going to be via Zoom or Zoom-type platform video it's conference? Probably going to be on either Teams, mm -hmm. Blue Jeans, mm -hmm. or I, I don't believe they use Zoom. Yeah. I don't with think the hospital can... platform. Right. So right. my sense is it's going to probably either be Teams Microsoft or Blue, teams Jeans. Or Blue Jeans. Gotcha. Yeah. Again, between now and May 11th, yeah. we will communicate specifically sure. yeah. what the platform is going to be, what the registration process will be. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously the description is, is under the, uh, heading of too strong, too, too long, mm -hmm. but it speaks to everything we spoke about today on this podcast mm -hmm. and, and, and anything else that could be mm -hmm. of concern, mm -hmm. you know, sure. um, and then the family piece after this is, is equally as important. I think and it's I huge. I think the family thing is huge. The, I don't want to negate the fact that because we're doing, we're launching the virtual group for the firefighters first that issues related to family and children can't be part of the firefighter support group. Of course it can. Yeah. You know. I think you're going to find with everything going on now, that's going to be a huge, a huge topic of uh, a conversation is going to be how this whole pandemic 
has affected their home lives and mm -hmm. their marriage and their, their relationship with their kids and all the different things that Absolutely. they had to do to change, to come into the house and everything. Everything. It's had know. a major impact on Home the family system. And, oh you my know, gosh. All that. Yeah. For sure. You know, marriage requires continuous adaption under the best of circumstances, mm -hmm. but this is like, oh, you've got to figure a way to be with somebody constantly when you can't go anywhere yeah. except stay in the house right. with that person. Right. And the kid, I mean, yeah. so there's so much. Sure. It's, a, it's impacted the family system in so many different levels, mm -hmm. like you had alluded to, you know. It's impacted the kids, the children, how they interact remotely, learning, friends, being isolated, yeah. not being able to, and then spouses and significant others, not being able to go to work. Where's the Where's the refuge? Mm -hmm. There is no break. Can't complete. You really can't. You couldn't go anywhere right. for such a long period yeah. of time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very challenging for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then firefighters dealing with such an increase in in medical calls. I think mm -hmm. initially when the pandemic hit, yeah. huge, mm -hmm. the medical calls skyrocketed mm -hmm. to the point where as a firefighter you were, sadly, you were hoping you'd get a call for a fire instead of a medical call. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to use the word again, Dr. Bizarro mentioned about trauma. Everybody says, oh, trauma, you know, it's like radioactive, the word. But with the family issue, these family members are experiencing secondary traumatization. By that, they're experiencing what the person, the firefighter might be feeling because um, that person's coming home with symptoms and they, they feel worried about the person. So they also can have traumatization even though they never went to a fire. You know, So they have to be, and the kids, kids will watch their parents and, and worry about them and get anxious. So the family... Um, groups that we plan on uh, starting and I think this is a big piece of it too. Yeah. Um, what kind of size are you looking for in terms of the group sessions? Is there going to be like a limit to the number of people that can be in those rooms or is that something that's undetermined right now? I don't believe it. believe there is a limit at this particular point in time. Mm -hmm. Depending upon what kind of a registration we get, sure. we may have to, you know, limit Mm -hmm. uh, the the access or or membership, and if if that's the case, then we'll have to take a step back and rethink, mm -hmm. and maybe doing another group in addition to the Tuesday night group. We'll see. So we have some flexibility yeah. based on need to add additional services. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would imagine, obviously, based on the success of the first group, uh, there'll probably be more six week programs kind of rolling through after that first initial launch and kind mm -hmm. of the, the beta test, I would imagine. Right? That, that's our hope, yeah. that we uh, we branch off and provide some additional services. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you see as far as challenges are concerned for this type of platform? And from a clinic, clinical standpoint, um, you know, the challenges that are being posed, obviously it's a different interaction, right? So you're you're no longer in the room with somebody and, and picking up expressions, you know, mannerisms and behavior and that kind of thing. What what are some of the challenges that you can see on your end? Well, I, I would say, you know, and I understand, um, you know, people have, you know, their families at home and everything too. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if there is an opportunity that obviously just one being alone in a room, you know, taking, you know, an hour from the kids or, or something like that too, because 
we want this to be an opportunity for you to get the most out of that too. So obviously if there's distractions in the background, that's sometimes a barrier in the virtual world is that everyone's home. You're not separated from, you know, what, what's what's going on mm -hmm. behind the scenes and everything there too. Um, so I, I do see that as a challenge. I know, you know, life goes on and, you know, in the evenings, I'm sure everyone's home with their families and everything by that time. So I, I know that could be something, you know, a barrier for us and everything too. So there may be circumstances where you're in a support group, a virtual support group, and as a clinician, you sense that a member may need more than just mm -hmm. a psychoeducation virtual support group. Mm -hmm. At that particular point in time, a connection will be made. We'll make, serve, we'll make something available where that person will be able to contact us or we will contact that person to provide at least additional resources to meet that request. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's our hope. Yeah, that's a good point. What I'm thinking about with group, like any group, even a group in person, there's um, a, an uncertainty and a lack of control in the sense of whether people will feel heard, whether they'll feel safe emotionally. You know, and that depends on who comes to the group. I mean, we both will do everything in our power to make it happen where people get um, a lot out of the group. But my, go my worry about a group is to make sure that people feel that they can feel safe to talk about what they need to talk about. There's a certain degree of worry about confidentiality that people have, that they're opening up and sharing. So in that regard, that's the only thing that I worry about, whether it be in person group or on um, blue jeans or whichever platform we use to make it a safe, a safe experience. And that, as, as Dr. Bizarro said, that somebody might seem like they need more more support, more engagement, that we make sure that they get referred to something to keep them, you know, help uh, help on the way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what my goal is for the group, to see. It's a bit of an assessment, too, yeah. when somebody comes to group to see what level of care they really need. Right. You know, it's the first step for a lot of people to even entertain the idea of talking about any of these issues. Mm -hmm. So we would be assessing as we go what they need to keep them safe and to keep them working on their issues. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because of the confidentiality. Obviously you could, you could, um, you can shut off the video. Mm -hmm. You can register with a different email address. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if confidentiality is that much of a concern and you're really concerned about what you may discuss or disclose, there's ways that you can, protect yourself as well mm -hmm. so um, I just want to throw it out there too is that you know I will make my my email available um, on the website if anyone just has questions about the virtual support group that they would just like to know ahead of time um, to get more information to feel more comfortable about joining um, I'd be happy to answer any questions yeah well, and that would be all of us would make ourselves available to do that yeah as well yeah I think uh, I think that'll be great for our members to have that kind of access as well tell me about this pilot you guys had a pilot program that you were, talk you were talking about before well initially as I said I had a conversation with Chief McDermott from Patterson Fire and because of the significant increase in medical calls I was couldn't believe how many medical calls Patterson was involved in, in the course of a year mm -hmm. actually the information I received was that it's the most in the country which was mind-boggling. So once I heard that, I, you know, I felt that obviously there was a strong need to provide some support to his men, his members. So we talked about launching a pilot just for Patterson. 
and in you know designing the platform and coming up with a topic and how we were going to do this we also felt why would we limit it to just Patterson why wouldn't we not open it to the entire membership mm -hmm. and and hope that it, Patterson embraces this as an opportunity for themselves as well yeah so that's how it kind of started out and then you know relatively quickly evolved to extending to the entire membership and then ultimately all families as right. well right so gotcha so in essence i guess bill um this six-week virtual support group for the firefighters is going to be a pilot it's going to be the pilot that's so, it so well, even the pilot evolved right right so, the pilot of the pilot the pilot of the pilot <laughs> and you know the good thing is we'll have the ability to tweak it yeah absolutely. and get really just like know, anything else good at it yep yeah yeah so um, as far as the program goes, we we're going to have a URL set up, and that URL for FMBA members is going to be www.njfmba.org slash too strong for too long. And this way, people can go right to the website. They can type that right in their address. Mm -hmm. That'll redirect them to your uh, registration page where they can sign up for the class. Um, I just wanted to say thank you uh, all for joining me today. I really appreciate the time that you're taking out of your day to do this, and, and even more so the uh, time and the effort and the resources and all the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into creating this invaluable resource for the members of the FMBA. You know, we, we, we really appreciate what you guys do for us, and it makes us better at our jobs and, and better at our lives to be able to uh, go out and protect others. So. Uh, really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the program. We're very fortunate that we have been tasked with the honor to provide a virtual support group for the FMBA. Um, we feel safe because of what you do. Mm -hmm. And this is our way of kind of, you know, paying it forward as well. So yeah. I want to thank you again on behalf of Penn Med and the first responder uh, treatment services at uh, Princeton House Behavioral Health for having us. Sure. I wanted to say thank you as well, and I just thought while I'm sitting here, we talked about many things. We talked about trauma, but we didn't mention resiliency, and resiliency is a very, very big piece of what we want to accomplish. People to, um, we talked about post-traumatic strength, but as part of that is becoming resilient and finding coping strategies to move forward and have a, a life that's worth living. That's what we're looking to help people have. And we appreciate everything you do. Well, thank so thank you. you. Yeah, thank you to everyone out there. Um, and just want to throw this out there. If, if anyone is struggling right now, please, please reach out for help. You know, we, there are people out there who want to help you. So just, uh, just ask for help. Thank you. Great. Thanks again. This is another great episode from FMBA Nation. All right, everyone. Well, that wraps up another great episode from FMBA Nation. Thanks for listening to it. And if you don't already, make sure that you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can listen to this podcast on any of the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. And if you have an Alexa-enabled device and enable the TuneIn skill, you can say, Alexa, play FMBA Nation podcast on TuneIn Radio. And if you're interested in being a sponsor of the podcast 
or would like to be featured on the FMPA Nation podcast where you can talk about your products and or services that you have to offer, be sure to email us at nation at njfmba.org. And until next time, be safe.